Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. During our first season, I had you all write vows to yourself and to email them to me to share. But now that we're starting our second season, I am asking for your poetry, for you to write a poem about your homecoming, about what it means to be at home within yourself. And for this, our first episode of season two, I have an excerpt from a poem called Be As You from a dear friend of mine, Ioka, I-Y-E-O-K-A. She is an incredible Nigerian-American spoken word artist and vocalist, and I encourage you to check her out. Here is a piece from Ioka, Be As You. Come and go as you. The you only God and you know best. Be true to yourself. Come and go as you today. Keep steadfast, never change. I give voice to poems of praise. I know where I am. I am not in exile. I am joyful invitations, remembering. Feel big moves and small blessings unconditional, thoughtful. They tell us to come and go as we please. Can you run a bath and inhale? Eucalyptus leaves I will leave for you in lavender dreams, wrapped in silk and cotton and brown skin. Good morning. Only you can hear the response. When delivery is complete and message is received, I know you are in my heart. I am your mountain breeze. You're solid as a rock. Your child, your mother, your father, your best friend, your sister, your brother, spiritual eyes locked. I am a capsule, a time machine. I am always here living in sacred spaces. Is this a reflection I see before me? Knock, knock. Who's there? Me, you. Thank you so much, Ioka, for sharing this piece with us as we are on the homecoming journey. And I look forward to reading you all's work if you send it to me at homecomingpodcast at gmail.com. On today, our focus is coping and managing when you are not at home, living at home. Coping and managing when your physical home is not your emotional home. I received a number of requests for this topic, especially from young adults that were still living at home and dealing with managing relationships and communications with people who are difficult 
or people who are unsupportive or people that are stuck in their own dysfunction and unhealed wounds that then bleed on you. And so at times we are living in places where we are not at home. And this can be for financial reasons, for cultural reasons, for gender reasons, uh, or because of our history, our history with that person or our personal uh, experience as individuals that have led us to this place. But whatever the reason or the route, the path, the journey that got you to this place where you are living in a space that does not feel like home, I want you to know that I see you, that we see each other, that you are not in that space alone or without support, but that there is a community of people who are on this journey trying to both find our way home internally, psychologically, but also socially and relationally. And even for our listeners who have tuned in today, who may live by themselves or who may live in a peaceful, affirming, positive environment, this episode can still be helpful for you as you navigate relationships with difficult or challenging people outside of your home. Although I will focus the discussion and the tips based on those who are living uh, in those environments. And for some of you, it has been like that throughout your history with this person or these people. And for others, things may have taken a turn for the worse, where it was not always like this, but here you are now. A part of that can be based in personality. A part of it can be related to unaddressed mental health issues. And all of these things can be multiplied or complicated by the realities of COVID-19, uh, where we are spending so much more time uh, in our homes. And so it can really magnify issues that were already present, but previously there was some relief or some space as a, as a result of more engagement outside of the home. And so I want to start with acknowledgement that in order for you to come home to yourself in an environment that does not feel like home, it is going to be so important to truly recognize, acknowledge the impact of where you are. The reality is many times we do not connect the dots. So while we see that the home environment is not optimal or not what we would have chosen or not even what we want to choose now, we don't always make the connection between that and our mental health issues and challenges. And so to give yourself grace and compassion to identify with what you are feeling in that space is an important part of your reconnection with yourself. And so if you have found yourself struggling with depression, it's important to connect that to a part of its root or source 
being these relationships and interpersonal dynamics where you are not wanted or appreciated or valued or seen. If you are in a place where you are neglected, rejected, constantly criticized, undermined, devalued, even humiliated, then that is going to have an impact on your mental health. And so not only might it show up with depression, but living in a stressful environment can also create anxiety, a hypervigilance, or being on guard, waiting for the next shoe to drop, waiting for the next negative comment or insult, anticipating it, and then with a certainty it then showing up and dealing with the impact of that, not only of what is said and what is done in terms of how you are treated, mistreated, but also then the denial or the normalization uh, where people in the home are pretending that either it did not happen or that it is acceptable. So you may have found yourself struggling with depression, with anxiety, with insecurity, difficulty trusting other people. You may struggle with insomnia or even find it hard to get out of the bed because of the heavy weight, the emotional weight of where you are living and what people do not see is the emotional labor that you are engaged in as you try to do mental gymnastics to anticipate how they're going to respond and how you can respond and what you can say or do or how to try to check out. Uh, so all of these challenges uh, have an effect on our psyche, on our spirits, on our hearts and our minds. I mentioned in the beginning that I've gotten a number of requests uh, from young adults who are still living uh, with their parents and the parents are uh, unsupportive or hypercritical or rejecting. But I want to say that this experience of not being at home when you're living at home can affect us across the lifespan. So you may be middle age, you may be an elder, but living in an environment uh, that is not affirming, that is not welcoming, that is not loving can be very, very difficult. And so we start with this piece of acknowledging that this is where I am and it is taking a toll on me. It is having an impact on me. And then the next part for us to try to do, if the person is not your spouse or you are not sharing a room with them, to try to create sanctuary, physical sanctuary in that space, if you can. And so physical sanctuary may be uh, bringing things into the space uh, that affirm me, that speak life to me, that revive and refill me. So that may be the artwork that you have on the wall, if you are able to choose what is on your walls. Uh, it is about the music that I listen to in that place. Uh, it is about even the scents, aromatherapy. What are the smells that are soothing to me, that are calming to me, that even if in the larger space, I don't feel welcome, 
how can I create sanctuary within my smaller space? And so looking at colors uh, that speak to me, that affirm me, uh, that when I walk in and see those colors or art or those scents or that music, that it gives me a reflection of my value, of my worth, of my humanity. And so thinking about what you can put in your physical space is important, as is it being important to have uh, cultivated, affirming relationships that are uh, outside of that space. And so who are your friends? Who are people that uh, you can confide in? And again, I'm not so much dealing with if the person you are living with that is toxic is your spouse, because that can be a different dynamic. Uh, So I'm not encouraging those of you who are not getting along with your spouse to go out and make other uh, potentially romantic friendships or relationships uh, that requires a different level of intervention. Um, But even if it is your spouse thinking about um, from a platonic sense, Uh, Who are the people uh, that understand you? Who are the people that can give you wise counsel? Wisdom is so important because when we are stressed out and unaffirmed, uh, we can make some uh, dysfunctional self-sabotaging choices and we do not want to do that. So me being mindful, I am in an unaffirming place. Who are the people that I can trust with wisdom? maturity, integrity, confidentiality, uh, that can be a place of support for me and also potentially a place of guidance as I navigate uh, my journey through this particular time. And so creating a sanctuary in my physical space when possible, uh, creating networks of wisdom, accountability, And in my accountability circle should be people who can both affirm me when I am being discouraged in that space, but also people who can speak truth to me if there is a way in which I am contributing to the negative dynamics in my house. So it is not someone who will solely agree with everything we say if there are some ways in which we would need to shift um, our thinking or our behavior in order to create more uh, peace and resolution in the home. Uh, And so getting the perspective of others uh, can be helpful because often we are stuck in our vantage point and not able to see perhaps what is going on with the other people in our home. And sometimes what is going on is in relationship to their interpretation of us, their judgments or assumptions about us. And then there are times when it really is not even about us. And so it is hard to recognize when it's not personal, especially when it's being aimed in our direction. Uh, But sometimes with perspective taking, we're able to see beyond uh, this loop that we have gotten into Uh, in the home. It is also important to be intentional and strategic about owning my response. 
So other people in this house may create a culture and a norm uh, where we yell at each other, blast each other, curse each other out, throw things, all of uh, this behavior. But I get to make a decision, even amidst all of that, how do I want to live? How do I want to be such that I am not just a reaction to my environment? That even though some people are breaking my spirit or attempting to break my spirit uh, purposefully or by neglect, that I still want to be at home enough within myself that I am not just reactive to other people's dysfunction, but I want to be able to take sacred pause and really consider how do I want to navigate this space and how do I want to be in my body? How do I want to live? How do I want to speak? How do I want to behave that I get to still make some choices as it relates to that? And so I encourage you to try avoiding two different extremes. One is the perpetual silencing where we feel we can never say anything uh, and that the silencing can in and of itself be psychologically damaging and harmful if I can never speak truth. And then on the other extreme is when I go into trying to match or even surpass other people's intensity. So then I'm going to out-argue them. I'm going to out-fight them. I'm going to out-blast them. And then uh, that escalates and becomes explosive and very damaging for everyone who's involved. And so to be at home within myself is to nourish and nurture myself despite the voices and actions of the people around me. That some of them would like me to not believe in me. Some of them may be doing things out of a loathing of themselves and perhaps even a loathing of me. And so I do not want to internalize that and begin to despise myself. I do not want to internalize that and become a prisoner to shame. And so even as I live in an environment that does not affirm my gifts, my calling, my beauty, my worth, my intelligence, that I seek for my internal world to not be a reflection of this current external reality. And so I do not agree with the statements and behaviors that are aimed at dehumanizing me. I do not agree with those, not only in word, but in thought, in feeling and behavior that I, in fact, affirm who I am. And I fight for that, right? When I say fight for it, I mean psychologically, it is a battle to love and affirm yourself in an environment that is not loving or affirming. And so continuing to have respect 
for myself, even when others disrespect me, that I love and nourish myself, even when others neglect me, pretend I am not there, or devalue my opinions or my needs, that I do not devalue my own needs, my own feelings, my own voice. And so in these places, when you are living with difficult people, one of the important strategies is recognizing who and what you're dealing with. And what I mean by that is to help us to stop being surprised or shocked when people act like who they are. Dr. Maya Angelou said, believe people the first time when they show you who you are, who they are. Believe people the first time when they show you who they are. And what that means is the mistreatment is bad enough, but it becomes multiplied when each time I'm shocked that people do what they have consistently been doing over the course of your life or over the course of the relationship. And so I do not make it my project or responsibility to make people see it my way. I do not make my life's goal and purpose and project the emotional labor of needing to convince people of my value or my worth. That if they need to be convinced, they do not see me anyway. And me engaging in trying to convince them buys into the idea that I have something to prove and that my humanity is provable. And so I want us to consider what are the things that you already know about the people that you are living with and what are the things you already know about yourself? Because awareness, authentic awareness, will bring about an internal shift that empowers me to navigate my external world. It is also going to be important that if you desire to communicate with the person, that you are direct and respectful in your communication and also intentional about the level of psychological access I give people to my thought realm. What does that mean? I may have to live here, but I get some decision. I have some agency in how much of my thought life I let you in on and how much I engage and the level of engagement that I have, even with people with whom I live. So I also want to invite you to start considering what are the triggers in this relationship or in this household dynamic? What are the topics that often lead to the insults or the explosions? Because sometimes we are repeating a script every day or every week, it is the same conversation. And so you want to determine 
the level at which you will participate in a script that is not going to change. Some people are committed to misunderstanding you. Some people are committed to the assumptions or conclusions they have drawn about you. And so when that is the case, you want to be aware of what are those specific topics that are going to take us there, which is just a repeat of the many times it has happened before. It is also going to be really important to nourish and care for yourself. So when we are considering coping, living in a household that does not feel at home, there is emotion-focused coping, there is problem-solving coping, and there is distraction. And so for emotion-focused coping, if the people you live with do not acknowledge you, see you, appreciate you, value you, your self-care and community care, social support, therapy are going to be so critical for your well-being. The truth is, in part, our identities are developed in reflection of the people with whom we spend time. And so in order to affirm my own identity, I cannot have the sole social connection be with those who have deemed me unworthy, that have deemed me uh, the target, the justified target of their hatred, of their critique, of their rejection. And so really becoming aware of the ways I nourish myself emotionally through my care and compassion for myself, as well as through my friendship circle or my therapeutic circle, where I am reminded of who I am. And it is my hope that the Homecoming Podcast is one of the touchstones, one of the places where you are reminded that you are much more than the sum total of how people have treated you. You are so much more than the ways in which you may have been discarded, ridiculed, rejected, humiliated, vilified, ostracized, and abandoned, even by those who continue to live in your home. And so we engage in active participation in addressing our emotional well-being and even giving space for our tears and our anger. That in fact, it is grief worthy to be mistreated by those who you thought or hoped would care for you or love you. It is in fact frustrating and angering, upsetting to be living in a space in which you feel nobody really wants you present or wants your labor, but cares nothing for your heart. So I want you to know a part of your emotional well-being 
It's giving yourself space to feel what you feel. Even if you do not believe it is safe or possible to to express it to the people you live with. Which takes us to problem-solving coping, which is to think about, are there ways to resolve the conflicts with the people with whom I live? Is there any way, are there any ways for these relationships to heal, to improve, or to grow? And knowing that in order for that to happen, there would need to be an investment and a desire for both people. That one person alone cannot save a relationship. Uh, One person alone cannot transform a parent-child relationship, a sibling relationship, a spousal relationship. That one person alone cannot do that. And so is there the will or the desire to address, to heal, to communicate so that there can be authentic care and peace in the home? So it will be important to determine that as you figure out the path forward. And if that reveals itself to be an impossibility or not a desire by all of the people involved, to begin to think long-term, perhaps short-term, strategically about what are my other options? Are there options for other living arrangements for me? And what would that look like in the present, in the immediate, or in the long-term? Not only is there uh, the need to consider, can we fix the relationship or can I move someplace else? I know that some of you who wrote me are in a situation where you cannot move currently and the people are not going to change. And then it really is about our psychological well-being, our internal reality, so that the sum total of my life is not waiting for a response from people who are not going to give it to me. So how do I nourish my joy? How do I protect my mental health? How can I prioritize my wellness, even with psychological boundaries when there are not physical boundaries? And you have the capacity to do that even in that space. And then the last form of coping is our distraction. Sometimes we have uh, drowned ourselves, consumed ourselves in these dynamics. So while there are some of us who cope by avoidance, so we're not thinking about it, we're not talking about it, we're not acknowledging it, and that is one method. There are also those of us on the journey where it becomes the sole focus of your life. That every conversation is about your conflict with your mother or your conflict with your sibling or your conflict with your partner. That as soon as you wake up, it's the first thing on your mind. When you're going to bed, it's the first thing. All day long, it's what you're thinking about, strategizing about, grieving about. And sometimes you have to give yourself a mental break Sometimes you need to give yourself 
a psychological shift to see a world, to create a world that is bigger than this dynamic, that is bigger than this conflict, that allows me to see meaning and purpose beyond the hardship of navigating the waters as they currently are manifesting. So my heart and my mind are on those of you in this moment that are living in a place that is stressful, that is living in a place where there is a lot of conflict, that is living in a place where you feel misunderstood or devalued. And I want you to know that there is a community of homecoming listeners who are hoping and some are praying that we each make it home to ourselves and eventually to be able to live psychologically at home in the place in which we are physically located. That is my hope for you. And in the meantime, for you to nourish and nurture yourself. I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home. <laughs>